This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Well, let me let me flip the tables for a second, okay? We've talked, uh, we started off talking about, you know, kind of what Anglos need to understand about what it is in the African-American experience, and we've kind of come to how the gospel is... It, it takes us in a direction that at least gives us the potential for thinking about reconciliation. Now I want to step back out of that for a second and go to this this space. What do African Americans need to sort through? Because it takes two to takes two, two to dance. Tango, yeah, yeah right, it takes uh, two to dance. So so what is it that what it, what would you say as a pastor? You know, shepherding shepherding the African-American community, what would you say to the African-American community in terms of how they look at these kinds of issues? First of all, I would say to them that your blackness and all that that means to you is never to trump your relationship with Christ to the cross or to the scripture. Mm -hmm. Because we are so culturally sensitive, Mm -hmm. oftentimes culture will trump the Bible. Mm And once you do that, we're in a no man's land. Yeah, you're in uh, tribalism. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we will never solve anything. Yeah. Okay. So we, we've got to now bring bring our culture and our race under the authority of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that means under the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I slam that home all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a guy in our church, for example who was upset because of the number of whites who are now joining our congregation. Mm -hmm. And he says, look, you know how they are. And if they keep coming in here like that, we're going to be in trouble. I told him, well, you better keep winning more blacks to Christ in so we outnumber (laughs) them. (laughs) And he said, well, and then he said, well, I'm leaving. And I said, bye. Mm -hmm. Because I can't let you Mm-hmm. dictate to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Now, maybe you had some bad experiences. Maybe you had some negative experiences. Okay, we'll work with you. But while we work with you, you can't dictate to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so what we have a lot of time are race baiters mm-hmm. who want to dictate to the kingdom, and we cannot allow that. And I make that clear in our church. That will not be allowed here. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Right. So I think we, to get rid of this fog in the pew, we got to change this mist in the pulpit mm-hmm. so that the pulpit is strong that the, the Bible will rule. Now, Secondly of all, you have got to be open to not stereotype as well. You can't just say, don't you stereotype me while I stereotype you. Yeah, right. I've got to deal with you as an individual, mm-hmm. and I've got, to, I've got to now recognize that there may be some things in your background, there mm-hmm. may be some things in your history that have colored you. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I had a, for example, I had a guy who said to me, um, uh, uh, he called me boy. Mm-hmm. He called me boy. Now mm-hmm. all of us that that erupt. That's World War yeah, Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. To call me, I'm as old as you are, yeah, right, you know, right, and right, you right. gonna call me boy. Yep. Okay. So so now my defenses go up. Okay. Because right. I've now stereotyped him. Right. As a as a as a racist, I've stereotyped uh-huh. him. You know, in, in every way possible. Right. Okay? Right. Right. Because he called me boy. Because mm-hmm. that was a slave terminology. Right. 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 Where the slave owner who was 50 years younger would call an old black man, older black man, boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm hearing that. Okay, but then in the same conversation, while I'm feeling all this erupting inside me, a younger guy, uh, uh, an older guy came in 
and he called him boy too, mm-hmm. and he was white. Mm-hmm. That automatically calmed me down on the inside because mm-hmm. I saw he was being consistent. Uh-huh. He wasn't just doing that to me, but my yeah. natural reaction was that. Yeah. So give an opportunity for clarity. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe they are still uh, are racist, and maybe they are still carrying that old way of thinking. But maybe that's how they are, or maybe that's all they know. And why don't I give you the benefit of the doubt until you prove otherwise mm-hmm. and not allow my history to automatically color and code you? Because the danger is you're going to fall into the cycle of what uh, of, of the way that, that relationship would play itself out, and, and you don't get anywhere with, with that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. We're just, we're just re- recycling and yeah, what we're yeah, doing. Yeah. And so uh, I'm saying – Give the content of character the same opportunity you want to be given. Mm -hmm. There's another issue here, Mm -hmm. and that is the issue of biblical forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Biblical forgiveness, because as long as I hold you hostage to yesterday, Mm -hmm. we'll never connect today. Mm -hmm. Okay? And we won't move forward to tomorrow. Right. So I've got to release you from a debt that I may still feel you owe me, mm-hmm. okay? Because forgiveness is release of a debt. Mm-hmm. I may feel because of what your granddaddy did, because of what your, your daddy did, and because of how I suspect you are given that, mm-hmm. I may hold you hostage to that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've got to say, I release you because mm-hmm. until I release you, I hold me hostage to, mm. to yeah. unforgiveness, which means we can't make progress. So there's forgiveness, there's looking at there's looking at character, and then there is now rebuilding of relationship. Because the reality is there's a new generation out here. Mm-hmm. The generation, a younger generation who don't hold any of this. Mm-hmm. Then there's the older generation who holds some of this because of history. Mm-hmm. And I've got to now be able to engage you and we improve like iron sharpening iron one another in this process. Now everything that you're talking to me is assuming, I think, and, and this is important, uh, is assuming that there's enough relationship between the two of us on the two sides of the racial divide that we're actually engaging with one another and interacting with one another, getting to know one another, uh, coming to try and understand one another. There, there's, a, there's an extension of the self beyond the self to the other person that's going on here that is almost like a prerequisite for everything that's happening. Absolutely, absolutely. How how then do we get this thing started? Right. And I think that's where the church and church leadership comes in because we can create and craft mm-hmm. natural opportunities. I mean, you can do that as an individual with people you work with, right. and taking the, the extra step. You can do that with your kids, like you did with your kids, right. letting them go to public school. Right. But 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 if you set the temperature, if you move the thermostat from mm-hmm. the pulpit mm-hmm. and say, as a church, we want to. Take the initiative to engage mm-hmm. cross-racially and cross-culturally. And you can do that in a lot of ways, depending on where you're living, where you're located. Everybody doesn't have to run to the suburbs just because the community is changing. That's right. We can begin to engage. We can begin to hire staff that can relate to people who are in our community. Mm-hmm. We can begin to have events with churches uh, serving together, like we talk about the adoptive right. schools, working together. So we're creating the environment where it can happen naturally. It doesn't right. have to be forced. It can be very natural. And so when we go to a community and we get all the churches together, we get 50 churches together, we've got some communities where every school has been adopted by the churches in that community, and they're loving on each other hmm. because they're serving somebody else. And that's why the serving somebody else becomes critical, because now 
it's not just me and you. It's us for them. And when it's us for them, reconciliation is now happening while we're improving the life of someone okay, else. Okay, so we've we've got this discussion that we've got going on. I want to go back and recover one part of the conversation. Okay, but um, we've got this discussion about what should be happening kind of across the the racial divide with each other and how we build these relationships. But, uh, the other aspect of the question is is that what does the black community need to get about itself in order to in in order to to help okay. build those bridges? Okay. First thing we've got to get back to is the biblical standard that God holds us to, not the white guy, mm-hmm. not, not even other black. God holds us to, and the biggest problem in Black America today is the breakdown of the family. Okay, you can use the breakdown of the family is unraveling us as a community. Mm-hmm. When seventy percent plus of your children are being born out of wedlock mm-hmm. and the fathers are not there to tend to them, mm-hmm. you've got chaos in the community. Mm-hmm. That's crime. That's unemployment. And, and, and most of these kids are going to be raised in poverty. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, and that's something we control. That's mm-hmm. something we control. The, the white man is not, not making you do that. Mm-hmm. He's not forcing you into that position. That's mm-hmm. a convenient out. Mm-hmm. In slavery, mm-hmm. when we did not have laws on our side, the community on our side, the government on our side, the broader community on our side, our families were a lot stronger, we were a lot more unified, and we made a lot more progress. Mm-hmm. We're going through regression right now, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is because of decision-making we are responsible for. So don't give me this that, you know, when the Cowboys play, you know, I've been, I was chatting the Cowboys mm-hmm. for a long time. My son Jonathan's taking that over from mm-hmm. me now. But when the Cowboys play, there are 11 other people trying to keep them from making progress. Mm-hmm. And they can't change that. They mm-hmm. will never be able to change for three hours, 11 mm-hmm. other people trying to do them in. Mm-hmm. Their job is to get in a huddle mm-hmm. and come up with a plan mm-hmm. that overrides it. Mm-hmm. And so since some things may not change, may not change in your lifetime, or, or you know the defense keeps shifting and you don't know what's coming next, your job is to come up with a plan that overrides that. Mm-hmm. And our God is a great coach, mm-hmm. and he's got a great playbook, Mm-hmm. He's got a great plan, and we have in the past overcome it, and now we need not to regress. We have regressed as a people, and much of that is our fault. So now you got two issues, it seems to me, simultaneously. you got to figure out, how do I minister to this shattered community that I live in the midst of? Absolutely. And where I don't have uh, healthy, many healthy family structures, so someone's got to come in alongside and, and provide that support. Absolutely. And, and then the second part is, how do you get the next generation to make a different set of decisions so that you don't end up 20 years from now in the same place you're you're at now. Well, the wonderful thing, to go back to slavery and even Jim Crow, Mm -hmm. when when you look at Selma, since the movie was out recently, you know, Couple things happened because there were three marches, Mm -hmm. not just one march. Right. Okay. Uh, When you look at Selma, it was led by the preacher, Martin Mm -hmm. Luther King, Mm -hmm. and preachers mm-hmm. and the church. Mm-hmm. The church came together and they were hurt the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. Billy Clubs and the whole thing. Yeah. They were hurt mm-hmm. trying to do what was right because the law was against them. Mm-hmm. But then something happened. The TV cameras came on. Mm-hmm. When the TV cameras came on, whites began to join them. Yeah, because they saw the injustice. They saw the injustice yep. and engaged it. Mm-hmm. Now, Things changed Mm -hmm. because now when they marched for Billy Clubs to come out Mm -hmm. and now for whites to be brutalized, Mm -hmm. that's a whole different ballgame. So if you can 
take the lead and know you're gonna be you're gonna take some hits mm-hmm. when you first come out, particularly if you're coming out by yourself. Right. But if you can get some other brothers and sisters in Christ who are committed to the same God, the same Bible, the same worldview, the same kingdom, you are to join you, even though it's your fight mm-hmm. and the laws are against you, you change the power of the other side. Mm-hmm. And so that's why reconciliation is so important, mm-hmm. even when it's black led, mm-hmm. because you change the equation of the fight. Mm-hmm. And so I am encouraging black churches to not become a uh, 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 segregationist on our end, mm-hmm. but let's engage good intentioned uh, folks from the other side of the railroad track mm-hmm. to join us in our leadership and our fight to bring equity and hope and help to our community. And, you, and your church communities, I take it, are, are tasked with the really, um, uh, how can I say this, challenging responsibility of becoming family to a lot of people who don't have family. Well, that is what God said. He says, I'm going to be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. Now, that's not some floating spirit in Never Never Land. That's yeah. working through his people to provide surrogate families. Mm-hmm. You know, So what the church must, must now provide are surrogate families for those who don't have them. We've got to have men. We've got to train men and challenge men. And one of the things we're finding in our church is when men are challenged to biblical manhood, mm-hmm. they tend to step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's when they're not challenged that they go to something that does challenge them. Gangs. Mm-hmm. Okay? The, the, the gangs are family. Right. They're wrong kind of family, That's but right. they're challenges. And men gravitate to the challenge. Right. And so the church, we've got to remove the the femininity. Mm-hmm out of church when it comes to reaching men, mm-hmm. you know? my Every now and then, when my wife's doing something, she asks me to hold her purse. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll hold it, but it don't feel right. <laughs> it just don't feel right, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, church doesn't feel right to men because yeah, yeah. it, it doesn't have its masculinity tied to it. And yeah. so we've got we to gotta attract men by calling men to manhood. Mm-hmm. And when you call men to manhood and they can stick out their chest and feel like, okay, this is for me, mm-hmm. you know, then then it rises to a whole nother level. And that's what we're seeking to even equip uh, uh, minority churches to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reminded of, a, of, of what I consider to be one of the shining examples of this kind of an activity in our city. Um, and you're very, very familiar with this, the planning of West Dallas Community Church. Sure. Which was, uh, I think, probably one of the best examples I've seen in the almost 40 years I've lived in Dallas uh, of of uh, of the community coming together, going to literally one of the poorest spots in the city, saying we're going to try and change this place, uh, and and it was interesting the order that they did things. They built a church, they built a gym, and then they built a school, and, and uh, th- that order is is, is significant. And uh, my basketball days are coming back to me. I was on the court representing uh, the team from Trinity Fellowship, and oftentimes played you guys in basketball. Your your church in basketball. Oh, who won? Oh, it was it was tough for us. <laughs> uh, but 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 you know what was interesting when you did that year after year after year, which is what happened. I mean, I I think I played. 12, 14 years total before my legs said, no, wow. I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, but you got to know 
the guys on the other team. Mm -hmm. You, in some cases, were ministering to God. There was there's a there was a short, stocky African American guy who was at West Dallas. He played for the West Dallas team. Who inevitably, when we played, I was lined up against him. He, man, he could he could block me out of a rebound with the, the getaway fly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know he, but he was such a great guy, and we would we would chat after afterwards and engage with each other, and um, and 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 that camaraderie. That that shared that shared engagement in, in something. I mean, p people think sports is trivial, but sometimes sports can accomplish a lot. Um, uh, built built a built a, a team spirit that went into that community where people were coming at it from both sides. And of course, the great part of that story is they planted the school. Some of the kids went on to college. They were the first in their families to go to college. They've built families. Some have come back to teach in the school so they can give back to the area that they've. It's come a great out of. model. You know, we've supported the West Dallas as well, and we. Uh, it's a great model of seeing the church being the hub. Mm -hmm. You know, of the community, and now education's grown out of that. Social services has grown out of that. There's been some housing associated mm -hmm. with that. So when the church is the church, the community benefits. Mm -hmm. It's like God telling His people in, in Jeremiah 29:7, uh, uh, you know, seek the welfare of the city in which you have been placed. Now mm -hmm. you're in the evil city, Babylon, mm -hmm. but you're my people there, and the city should be better off because you're there, even though it's an evil city. Yeah, and and I'm I'm reminded about 10 years into this project, you know, and this was taking place in the midst of when Dallas, the Dallas School Board, the DISD School Board was going through terrible tensions, still under court order, et cetera. And the Dallas Morning News, not exactly a church organ, okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not exactly a church newspaper, right. wrote an editorial entitled Angels in Our Midst. And they were asking the question, why is it that a group of churches can accomplish something with so much success that our school board seems absolutely unable to achieve? It was an interesting editorial. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. You know, our church has adopted 55 public schools. Mm -hmm. So while one church is in 55 public schools providing mentoring, tutoring, and family support services, and we can't even keep up with the school requests, Calling us, yeah, we do the same thing schools. in Trinity. So, so yep. it's 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 something that can be done, but churches have got to have a vision for missions that mm -hmm. goes beyond. We we've done a lot of that overseas. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. we started churches Absolutely. and we built orphanages yeah, and we yeah. we got all that stuff. Yeah. Over there. But the social situation and racial climate in America has kept us from doing that on a mass scale. When we the church could change the environment of the culture, and you know that's actually an example of a kind of subtle institutional racism in some. Senses because we will be comfortable and and in the moment and in a lickety split we'll go we'll go miles for mission right but if we only have to go a mile for mission we're right. slow that's right that's yeah right. that's right and 
And and and we've allowed the social history, uh, social and historical situation in America to to drive a wedge and keep the church ineffective, and we're watching the decline of the culture because of it. And and, and the hard part of it is is that the is that the dynamics are both internal to the community itself, and and then there's the larger dynamics of the culture at large, and they're both in play. That's right, and and I think. We are now situated because of the breath of the collapse that we're experiencing culturally now mm-hmm. to be that city on a hill, mm-hmm. to be that light through the good works, Matthew five sixteen. We we are well positioned now because everybody's desperate mm-hmm. and everybody's nervous mm-hmm. and everybody's afraid. And yet we got all these churches on all these corners with all these preachers and all these members and all these programs and all these buildings and we still have all this mess. Mm-hmm. There's a dead monkey on the line somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it is time for now the church to wake up, shake up. And, uh, and 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 take the uh, move to the front lines. Okay, so uh, we're coming up to towards the end of our time here. So uh, so I kind of want to pull things together and kind of wrap up. So so we've gone through the message, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, and now it's time to think through the application part of this. So so w- what? What would you say? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna segregate this because I don't know how else to do it. Well, why? Well, you're using the right word yeah. right in this conversation. Yeah. So, so um, what would you say to leaders of particularly Anglo churches about what they can do to contribute to this? And then I'll let you address leaders in African American churches. Okay. To the Anglo leaders, I would say to be now intentional about reconciliation across racial lines. Mm-hmm to connect with, and we're here to help you through the Urban Alternative if you want, but to connect with a minority pastor and a minority church on on equitable terms, because mm-hmm. he's your equal mm-hmm. as a pastor or as leaders, mm-hmm. and to say, how, what can we do together mm-hmm. to improve the lives of people that you are ministering to? And how would you start that? I mean, would you start that with like, just well, obviously one way to start it would be for the head pastors to meet and just get to know one another and that kind of thing, but once you get past that stage, would you do some pulpit exchange so people get to know one another? Well, what, what, well, I, what you, you know, what, what we promote is this solemn assembly concept uh-huh. to come together, to worship together, uh-huh. and pray together, and invoke God for unity together. Mm-hmm. So you can do that between churches, or you can do that through a whole host of churches. Okay, okay. so you do that. Uh, the pastors agree to it, so they meet first. Okay, they agree to it, so now right. their churches and leadership and congregation are meeting. Right. And so, so, so that will take care of that. Mm-hmm. Then you come up with whatever that project is. Our big thing is adopt a school. Right. And the reason I need to explain why. Yeah. Because in that school you have kids. Those mm-hmm. kids have parents. Mm-hmm. That's family. Yeah. Church, school, and family make up community. Right. And you never run out because there are new kids and new families coming all the time. Right. So that's why that. But it doesn't have to be that. The other thing is that nobody disagrees with education, kids, and families. Right, right. So you got something that the community can accept. Right. It doesn't polarize anybody. Right. So, so you come up with something that allows you to minister together, but ministering over something that is a priority to this minority pastor's need, because he always has to facilitate himself to you. Right. So you, you're now facilitating yourself to him and recognizing his leadership in the process. So becoming a servant to that community absolutely, is absolutely. actually the way is actually the way the way in, which may mean that when you do your joint worship, the challenge may be when you do your joint worship, you go and worship in their in their building. That, that's absolutely, or at least. Let him agree where you worship. His yeah. building may be too small, right, right. but as long as he's agreeing with it, right. then everybody's comfortable. And it's not just you saying, "Come over here." Right. So, and right. sometimes that means a neutral site if the yeah. building is too small. Because it's really important for. The, I would think from the Anglo side, it's really important for the Anglo side to come 
into the black that's world right. and that's see right. it. That's right. And experience it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. And of course, if your mission, if the project you come up with is in that world, now you're engaging the world. You're exactly. not just visiting it. Exactly. You're engaging it. And then when there are issues that show up in your community because you're already together, you're yeah. not just coming together to react. Right. You already been together in ministry. Now you can speak to it. And you have relationships in which you were built to hopefully on a matter of trust so that you can speak directly and honestly with one another about what's needed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. The, to the black uh, pastors, mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, take advantage of the offer, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, don't yeah. resist it. Don't yeah. reject it. Uh, vet it like you would vet anything of its legitimacy. Right. But take advantage of the offer. If, if this pastor is reaching out to you and not, not and if you already know somebody, reach out to him and say, look, in light of what's happening in the country, everybody's sensitive to it, in light of what's happening in the culture, uh, why don't we put our Christianity first and let our culture now be subservient to it and find out what we can do together to make this a better place for everybody to live because everybody's nervous. And I think there are now, in this new generation, there are a lot of pastors who want that. There are a lot of churches that are now becoming somewhat integrated. So you, you will find now an open hand and an open heart. Take advantage of that. Don't dismiss it. Same time, train your people to be accepting of it, mm-hmm. okay? based on what Jesus wants, not based on how they feel. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're the leader. It's going to be awkward that. for everybody. It's going to be awkward for everybody, but it needs to be awkward for somebody so yeah. that we can do something that benefits all. Yeah. Now, let me let me tell you a lesson that I think I've learned. I, I've served on a, I serve on the board of Wheaton College, and I've, I've gotten to know uh, – we, we have – we have uh, a few African Americans on the board. One of them is a pastor, but the other one is is actually an executive in a bank. A very sharp young guy, who I've gotten to know. And the thing that I think he's taught me while I've been on the board has been that there there is an attitude that Anglo's can have in the midst of this kind of ministry that actually can work against what's going on, even when you're well intentioned. And that is what I would call a patronizing attitude, sure. an attitude where you walk in and you say, I'm here to help you, I'm here to rescue you, right. you know, and, right. and, 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 and even unaware, you can Absolutely. put, you can put the, the African-American person kind of under you, and right. they get all, they, they feel those Oh, lives. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, first of all, that being uh, communicated mm-hmm. so that the person know and is sensitive to that. Yeah. Secondly of all, you recognizing you're coming in as a servant. Right. You recognize missions has run into this problem early on mm-hmm. when they would go over because they're the you know great white hope. And, yeah, and right, right. And they, you know, you're the tribes. And right, so right. we've come to do this. So we don't only bring the gospel, we bring the, the soil and everything else. I mean, we just, just uh, say we're here to dominate. Mm-hmm. So if you come in as a servant and you're coming in recognizing they are living every day, every week, and every year in this need mm-hmm. and recognize they are bringing something to the table because mm-hmm. you don't live there. Yeah. Okay, you visit there. Yeah. So recognizing their leadership is the biggest thing. They may do. actually understand more about the – in fact, they will understand the, more about the dynamics than anything Norm, you have Normally that's true. It's yeah. like when I was talking to a guy and he, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a white pastor and he met well. He said, boy, I wish we could go back to the 50s and 60s when life was good. No, life was good for you in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. I don't want to go back to the 50s and 60s where I couldn't go to certain restaurants and drink out of certain yeah, water fountains, and, and I couldn't come to Dallas Seminary. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to go back there. Okay, yeah. so it's two different. So if you come in with the right attitude, then you will learn some things as to why mm-hmm. the reactions and feelings are different. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Tony, this has been very, very um, helpful. I, I, I'm sure it's just the start of a conversation that I know it's a conversation we're going to come back to regularly on the table because I, I actually think that one of the most powerful means that the church has to communicate the impact of the gospel is to demonstrate good first-class reconciliation. Absolutely. To, and, and, and to do it in a way in which it's clear that Christ has changed all of us. Uh, what we what we've come in with, and and that we're going out different people than the way we came in, and in the midst of that interaction, in the midst of that mutual growth that takes place as a result, in the midst of developing that mutual understanding, et cetera, uh, you have the opportunity to to do and accomplish things that the old cycle just just replicates and prevents from happening. Absolutely, and and we're here to help that anywhere in this country. That's what our national ministry does, and so we're here to serve that goal, because I do agree. Tell with us that a little goal. bit about Urban Alternative. Well, Urban Alternative is our national ministry for mm -hmm. our radio, our television. Uh, uh, we take what we have developed at the church, and we make it available across the nation through our, our the Urban Alternative, and the main thing we're doing now is promoting this, what we call Kingdom Agenda Strategy for Community Transformation. Mm. And that is the three-point plan, mm -hmm. the solemn assembly, the adopting of schools, and the speaking with one voice. So we have a team that travels around the country and helps communities set that up in their church, between their churches, or for the whole community. So uh, coming back to Ferguson for a second. So where Ferguson stands is is that basically you've got pastors who've kind of initially signed on and bought in, and they're in the process of thinking about how to execute the plan? Yes, we have a team that will be going there. I think we've already set a date to uh, provide the training for them to begin implementation after they heard me give the vision. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. I give the vision, then our team provides the training, and uh, and we're doing that across the country. So so this initial talk that you give that's the biblical talk, What which passages are you working off of to get to, to, to lay out the vision for this? Uh, the, the number one passage is Matthew 16. Mm -hmm. The first use of the word church is in Matthew 16 mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ. And he says, and 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 I, I have a little spin that uh, most people aren't used to, and that is the rock. Uh -huh. See, I don't believe when Jesus said, I, uh, I'm going to build my church on the rock, that he's referring to himself. Mm -hmm. He asked the question, who do you say that I am? And mm -hmm. the you, when he asked his disciples, is plural. Mm -hmm. Y'all, if you're yeah, Texan. Right. Who do y'all right. say yeah, I am? We need, okay? we need a southern uh, lingo that, every That's right. <laughs> So I'm saying, while Peter spoke up, thou art the Christ, he did not forget that the question was to the group. Yeah. And the, the Greek word Petra for rock was mm -hmm. used of a collection of stones that had been knitted together mm -hmm. to form a rocky ledge or cliff. That's mm -hmm. how it's used in classical Greek. So I'm saying when Jesus said, Peter, you're the stone, you're going to be my leader, but I'm going to build my church on the coming together of individual stones to make something bigger mm -hmm. than any one stone, Peter, you could ever be on his own. Mm -hmm. And Peter says in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1, ye are all living stones come together to form yeah, one spiritual a, house. Temple. Yep. So I'm saying that what Jesus wants to build, he can only build in a reconciled way. Mm -hmm. So reconciliation builds the church, and the church then is handed the keys of the kingdom, and the keys of the kingdom gain you authority on earth. Mm -hmm. And so I take that and show how ministry is supposed to go with that definition of the church. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, I like again. Thank you for coming in and talking with us about this. I'm sure I'm going to invite you back. Well, thank you. Because you're a good brother and a good friend, and it's great to have conversation with you. And this has been, this has been fun to do this. You know, we do this privately on a regular basis. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and so to actually do this in public is kind of a nice, nice thing. And so I really do appreciate your willingness. To come. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. And we thank you for being a part of the table. Uh, this is the table where we discuss issues of God and culture, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.
for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.